0: Well, Happy New Year's, ABF friends and family. We're so thankful that you've joined us for another online service. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. and have a couple bits of information to give to you, but we're so excited that uh, we get to start the new year with you. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, The first thing is uh, we love praying for you. We find it to be a privilege to pray for you throughout the week. So if you have any prayer requests, uh, you could send those confidential prayer requests to 97,000. and those will be received, and we will pray for you throughout the week. The second thing is we have a lot going on here at ABF. All of our ministries are starting off this coming week. First week of January, high school, junior high, children's, men's, women's, we have a lot going on. Very exciting, and the best place to go to find any of that information would be our website at agorabible.org. You can feel free to join us or uh, visit us there anytime. Lastly, we're just so thankful and blown away by your ongoing generosity. Uh, Our ongoing ministry here would not be made possible without your financial support. And uh, we would just be so grateful if you would prayerfully consider to uh, donate. You can do that under our websites, under the Give tab. And a little side note is that if you are watching this on Saturday, December 31st, all donations received by midnight tonight will count for the 2022 tax season. So again, we're so thankful for you. Happy New Year's. We hope you had a wonderful Christmas, and uh, we're excited to uh, dive into god's word together here's josh
1: well thank you chris and happy 2023 it sounds weird already coming out of the mouth that's for sure so i know with this online service it being the january 1st service that there are a handful of different viewers out there watching today Uh, you might be in group one where you just finished watching the college football playoff games And it's New Year's Eve, and you just got this email from Pastor Scott, and you're like, man, there's no better way to ring in the new year than getting a good book with ABF. And so here you are. I love it. Uh, Number two, you slept in. It's New Year's Day. You had a fun night last night, and you slept, and now you're in your comfies, you're on your couch, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm very jealous. (laughs) That sounds amazing. So enjoy it. Happy 2023 to you. Lastly, there's probably a group of you, it's like the year 2027 now, and you're on a binge of just like, I need all the Pastor Scott messages I can get, and so you're going through 1 Corinthians, and here you are, stuck with me. So welcome in, my friends. Let's do this thing together. I am so glad that you're here. Whatever situation you are in, thank you so much for being with us today. Very excited to get in God's Word together. So I'm wondering uh, if there are any people out there that are big New Year's resolutions people. Uh, either way you are, you are, I don't really care either way. Uh, I am personally not. However, I would say that I find the new year a really good time for reflection and evaluation and specifically reflecting and evaluating my relationship with the Lord, and think it's just a great time of the year to do that. A few years ago, well, a number of years ago now, uh, it was that very thing, kind of the end of a year, beginning of a year, that evaluating, reflecting time that sparked this giant change in my life and in my relationship with the Lord. Uh, It was through, it was instigated by a Christmas song by the band Reliant K, of all bands, Uh, love them the song was called celebrate the day and in the song there's this lyric and it basically talks about man here we are it's the end of a new year uh, and i am not nearly as close with the lord as i want to be not nearly as close with the lord as i wished i would have been at the end of last year a full year ago and that's completely on me i had a whole year and what did I do with it? It was really simple, right? It's a very simple lyric, but man, I'm telling you, that was life-changing life changing When I kind of took that to heart and that evaluation of, man, where do I want to be with the Lord next year? So, our scripture today is absolutely perfect for the new year. I love how the Lord sets this stuff up. I'm telling you, we didn't plan it as this is the passage for New Year's because we want that passage there. It's just cool how the Lord does it. Today's passage is a couple of things it is directed to the believer. It acknowledges that we live in the middle of a culture, like smack dab in the middle of a culture that is not focused on the Lord at all, actually quite the opposite. And so Paul's warning to the church is to be vigilant. Be vigilant in your relationship with the Lord. Ultimately, it shows God as a powerful and loving father who disciplines his kids, but doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves. Uh, my hope as we get into our scripture today with that kind of backdrop for it, uh, that this scripture just serves at a, as a springboard for reflection, evaluation, and maybe even some life change in 2023. Let me pray for us and we'll get into scripture together. Dear Lord, uh, God, we come to you uh, on this video and together, Lord, just asking that you would move and work um lord i know personally i'm so desperate for your holy spirit to show up not only right here present in this moment um to speak through and say the things that you want to say through me um, but ultimately lord to work in the hearts of the hearers and lord would you use any of the little things that we're talking about here today um, that you need to lord we are open we are here with hearts open hands open before you saying god speak to us move in us uh, Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in 2023. We look forward to what you're going to do right here in this next 40 minutes. We love you. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So, if you would, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We are continuing in our series, working through the book of 1 Corinthians, this letter that we have described as spicy. Over and over again, and that is accurate yet again today. It's a little spicy here today. It has been a few weeks since we've been together, and so just want to bring you up to speed where we just left off. At the end of chapter 9, Paul left off with an illustration from athletics, and he was communicating just how important it is for him uh, in being an effective Jesus follower to be self-controlled, and disciplined. And so here in chapter 10, where we're gonna start reading, he kind of turns that thought around and points it at the readers. He points it at the Corinthian church. He points it at you and at me. And this takes the form of both a warning and an encouragement. The bulk of his warning includes a reminder of how God has acted towards his people in the past. Uh, The God of the New Testament is the exact same God is the God of the Old Testament, right? He's the same God, same character, hasn't changed at all. But first, he needs to set up uh, that, he needs to set that up by drawing comparison between the current Corinthian church, who he is writing to, and the Exodus generation of Israelite believers from the Exodus. And he claims that they both have the same right standing before God. Let's take a look, starting in verse one. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock, Was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. We'll stop right there. There was a popular Oaks Christian School legend. The legend had it that there was a chaperone on one of the eighth grade East Coast adventure trips that ate nine Philly cheesesteak sandwiches in one sitting in their stop in Philadelphia. Now in reality, I ate three, uh, which is kind of impressive. If I'm being honest, there's no way I could do that today. Uh, I don't know, it was just a good day. I was a young man, Uh, just one of those good days, you know? Uh, I ate three, but it's funny how over the following months, that number just kept on creeping up and up and up and up. Legends have a way of doing that, they do. There was a popular Jewish legend handed down for generations after the Exodus. Legend had it that the very same rock that Moses struck in the wilderness to provide water for the people literally followed Israel around throughout their wilderness travels providing water along the way. Interesting legend. I'll back up a little bit for those that aren't as familiar with the story. So the nation of Israel was under Egyptian captivity for a few hundred years until the Lord used Moses to free them. They escaped the Egyptian army by passing through the Red Sea, which the Lord literally part, and they walked through on dry land. Then the Lord led them by a cloud, as we see there described in verse 1. That's what he's talking about. A cloud by day and a cloud of fire by night. So now here, back in 1 Corinthians, Paul is using some imagery. He uses the imagery of baptism and communion in conjunction with these Exodus events to describe Israel's standing with God, okay? Let me break it down a little bit. It's not that confusing, I promise. So we see here in verses one and two, baptism imagery. The people were baptized into Moses in the Exodus cloud and the sea. Josh, what does that mean? (laughs) I don't really know exactly. However, I'm gonna propose a couple of possible options for what Paul's getting at here. Is he simply saying that coming through the water of the Red Sea is like coming through the water of baptism and that then they were immersed in the cloud of God's glory? Or is it saying that similar to water baptism, right? If you think about water baptism for us, the believer here today, that is simply a thing that signifies identification with Jesus. We say an outward expression of an inward decision. It's just saying, I identify with Jesus. I love him. I follow him. I identify with him. Is that what it's doing here? Is it just saying that the Exodus Israelites identified with Moses and his teachings? His teachings were from the Lord. They identify with the Lord? I don't know. Either way, I think the point remains pretty much exactly the same. And the point is this, the Exodus generation of Israel were God's people. They were his sons and daughters. They had right standing with him. And that is only further emphasized as we continue, okay? Verses three and four. So we just had the imagery of baptism. Now verses three and four, the imagery of communion, These verses, if you're taking a look at your Bibles, verses three and four, talk about consuming spiritual food and drink. Obviously, this drink isn't from a tiny plastic cup, nor is it from the physical rock that Moses struck. This spiritual drink came from the spiritual rock which followed them. And that rock, Christ. Even here, In the Old Testament, in the Exodus events, Paul is claiming that Jesus himself was there with them. How cool is that? Very, very cool. Paul's whole point is this. The Exodus generation of Israel had right standing before God, and he's drawing this connection to the Corinthian church, saying, Corinthian church, Modern day church, you are in the same boat as them. You are not better than them because you are on this side of the Messiah. The Exodus generation of Israel had right standing before God. Verse five, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. So far, all of this is a setup so that the Corinthians and so that you and I can hear this warning as for them. The question they should be asking, okay, but why was God not pleased? Paul provides some examples. Let's take a look. Examples of falling, starting in verse six. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Talk about spicy, right? I mean, definition of. So, Breaking this down a little bit, we're gonna spend a little extra time here in this section. Uh, verse six kind of sets up verses seven through 10. Let me give you some examples. This is why I wasn't pleased. Don't desire evil as they did. Now, if Paul shares here in verses seven through 10, four different examples from the Exodus generation of how they fell into sin and then the discipline that they received. The first example of falling was due to idolatry. Look there in verse 7. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So, this is a reference to Exodus chapter 32, the story of the golden calf. Correct. Well done. You're awake. It's New Year's Day. You're still fine. The story of the golden calf. So, the Lord had delivered the people from slavery in Egypt, they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, then the Lord pretty much led them straight to Mount Sinai so that he could meet with Moses up on the mountain and give him the law, give him the commandments, etc. While Moses is up there, the rest of the people sitting at the base of the mountain get very impatient and they ask Moses's brother Aaron to make them a golden calf idol so that they can worship the Lord. Okay? Then, the second half of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 7, where we are currently reading, is a quote from Exodus 32, verse 6. So apparently, after building this golden calf, even though they claimed that they were worshiping the Lord and that this idol, this statue was very different from the other idols and statues that were being worshiped, Uh, The celebration very strongly resembled a pagan celebration. There was feasting, very similar, and even sexual promiscuity. The last word there in verse 7, play, is the same word for caressing. Basically, it's saying there was sexual activity involved in what was going on here. Now, in this first example, Paul does not explicitly talk about the discipline that comes from the Lord because of those actions. He does And all three of the next next examples. Uh, My guess is that his readers are very, very aware of this story. They're very familiar with it. They understood what was going on. They understand that 3,000 men were killed because of this idolatrous action. That is example one, but, Before we move on and catch the rest of the examples, I do want to spend a little bit of time on the topic of idolatry. So I have been stewing, percolating on this concept for months now. Uh, I've been having some conversations with the Lord about this. I feel like he's been telling me stuff. I've been like just kind of doing the back and forth Uh, on what modern idolatry looks like here today. Kind of been wondering if the Lord was gonna give opportunity to share, if it was just for me, wasn't sure. And it's been kind of neat over the last few weeks. I was talking to him about it. I opened up my passage for what I was preaching on today and it was this passage and this was here. And then we were kind of working back and forth. What do I share? Do I share? And uh, I'm kind of humbled and excited and nervous and all of those things, but uh, excited to kind of share a little bit of what the Lord's been talking to me about. Um, so when it comes to modern idolatry, I think the church has done a really, really good job of kind of drawing the connection to the fact that today, we can make idols out of different things. We can make idols out of people, out of relationships, out of success, money, status, etc. cetera, There's lots of different things that could be included in that list, but really just the idea of elevating something that maybe even could be a good thing to a level that only God should have in our lives, even to the point of worshiping those things. And that is certainly true, certainly holds up for what we're talking about here with idolatry. Uh, But I do think that there's another element to modern idolatry. So the main purpose of having a physical idol is to appease the deity, spirit, whatever you wanna call it with ulterior motives in mind. So performing rituals is kind of the idol owner's way of acquiring a desired outcome. It's a sort of conditional manipulation. If I, then this, then you. Okay, if I perform this ritual, if I do this thing, then I receive my desired outcome. Or maybe I had better perform this ritual or do this thing because if I do not, then I definitely won't receive my desired outcome. Really, it's just a way of trying to influence or control things that are completely out of your control it's very superstitious and i would go so far as to even say evil and i say that because there is no such thing as a just neutral spirit okay uh we're talking about like the universe or fates or energy or whatever uh none of those have a place in the life of a jesus follower that's not a thing it's just not uh if it is legitimately spiritual, like if there is a spiritual entity, spiritual energy, if, there's a, if it's a spiritual thing and it is not of the Lord, then it is by default of the enemy and it is evil and absolutely should not be trifled with at all. So, This idolatrous way of thinking is still very, very present modern day in our American culture. Uh, And I would contend the thought process can even infiltrate and sneak into the church. So a couple of things that I would like to point to uh, that might sound all kind of pie in the sky and very vague, I would like to get very specific. Uh, First, Physical idols, absolutely still a thing even here in America. People are turning to a spirituality that is not God. Uh, Absolutely a thing here. I have a friend whose brother and that brother's wife were having trouble getting pregnant. And so they bought a pregnancy or a uh, fertility statue, literally a fertility idol, have it in their house to help them get pregnant. Pretty obvious. I highly doubt this kind of thing would creep into the church. Uh, That seems pretty cut and dry, black and white for sure. Uh, However, how about lucky socks for your sports team? And before uh, you start throwing things at me, hear me out. I am not talking about your lucky socks that are just like, they're my favorite socks. I love them, they got my sports team on them. It's tradition, I wear them for every game. It's a fun thing, I love it. I am not talking about that at all. However, if there is an element of it where you genuinely think that you are influencing, manipulating, controlling Things that are so outside of your control with this inanimate object, piece of clothing, etc., that is idolatry. Think about it. Who or what are you actually influencing? Is it God? By wearing those socks, does the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, say, Josh wore his socks today, therefore I am going to do this. That's ridiculous. That's idolatrous. Because then if it's not God, then what other spirit are you appealing to? If you are a Jesus follower, there is zero place for that in any of our lives. In the church, prayer beads, I don't know many people that do the prayer beads thing, but I know it is a thing and can be a thing. Uh, If you have prayer beads just to help you remind you to pray, amazing, love it, that's fantastic. However, if you must hold, rub, touch, have some sort of ritualistic thing with your prayer beads in order to then manipulate the fact that this prayer will be answered, that is modern day idolatry. That is not following Jesus. Just because you attach the name of Jesus to that, that is absolutely still idolatrous action. Idolatry is not just with physical objects. The idolatrous sayings and habits are pervasive in our culture today, okay? Couple of examples. Saying knock on wood or fingers crossed, okay? And again, before you throw more things at me, uh, what I am not saying, I actually don't have a problem with people saying knock on wood or fingers crossed, even if you call yourself a Jesus follower. I, I think I found myself saying it from time to time. Um, here's the thing. If you're saying it because it's just uh, something that people say, if it's just a phrase, right? Because it is extremely common in culture for th- phrases like that to be said. Um, that's fine. However, I do think that shows just how pervasive that it, this is in our culture. The fact that those phrases are so well-known in such a part of culture, it says something. But anyways, I'm not even, I'm not even trying to hate on it. However, if you, if you literally mean it or if you n- literally need to knock on wood in a situation or cross your fingers in a situation... Because you think by doing so, you are manipulating the actions of the universe, of energy, uh, etc. If you are, think you are somehow bending God's arm because you did that action to get the desired outcome that you want, that is modern day idolatry. That is taking the power away from the Lord and taking, con- feeling like you can control things outside of your control. That is complete idolatry. I'm sorry, I have a few more examples. Uh, Stick with me. Two more. Manifesting. Such a trendy word and idea in our culture today. Uh, I am not, uh, I am, I am 100% all on board with making a vision board for 2023. If that is making Uh, coming up with some goals and things that you'd like to do, achieve, putting those goals kind of on the board, uh, there is absolutely something to declaring a goal and focusing on it. You are absolutely more likely to achieve it. However, if your vision board is simply putting thoughts, visions for what you want your life to look like out into the universe, hoping to receive some sort of energy back because you put that out there and therefore you are manifesting something in your life that is completely completely outside of your control. That is modern day idolatry. Last one. Lindsay read a Christian book on prayer recently. The author made a claim that we need to as Christians, pray specifically for things. And the basic message was if you pray specifically for things, you're covered, but if you don't pray specifically for things, you're not covered. Her example was this: she prayed specifically. That her son would not die via car crash. I'm sure she prayed that he wouldn't die via lots of different ways. Uh, uh, sometime later, the son got in a car crash, but he didn't die, and her claim was that if she hadn't prayed specifically in that way, that he would have died in that car crash. That is not biblical prayer. That is modern idolatry. Should we approach our dad, our father up in heaven with specific requests? Absolutely. But that is very different. Biblical prayer is personal. It is a conversation based on a relationship, a relationship that has trust, and it is making requests to the Holy God, the creator of the universe. There are no special prayers that conditionally guarantee or help increase your chances of healing, of safety, etc., because you attach the name of Jesus to it. Going back to our example from Exodus, the Israelites, they built a golden calf to the Lord, to Yahweh. They were offering sacrifices to the Lord, to Yahweh. They were celebrating in theory to the Lord, to Yahweh, and it was detestable to the Lord. Attaching the name of Jesus to superstitious activity is not honoring to the Lord. It is deeply, deeply offensive. It is idolatry. The living creator God cannot be coerced, manipulated, or controlled by any of our actions. And that is a very good thing. That is a very, very good thing. Amen? That was a lot, I know. Uh, Maybe too much. Um, But all of that to say is that this way of thinking, this idolatrous way of thinking is all around us. And it is so easy to draw us in. Okay, I'm gonna move very quickly through these next few examples. The second example of, of falling that Paul uses is due to sexual immorality. Look there at verse eight. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. 23,000 fell in a single day. So this is a reference to Numbers chapter 25. While in the wilderness, the Israelites lived near the people of Moab. The, Moab, the Moabites kept on inviting Israel into like their celebrations and worship of their gods. And the Israelites gave in and participated in all of the celebrations, including the sexual activity. As we learned from Pastor Scott uh, just a few months ago in his message from chapter six, which I would just highly recommend going back and taking a look if you have not seen or listened to that one yet. Lots of good information on the topic in general, kind of sets us up for sure. Um, But what we learned from that is that the Corinthian church was living in an extremely sexualized culture. uh, And I could easily say that about our culture here today. Extremely sexualized culture. Sexual immorality is all around us and I would contend might even be more accessible now than in any other time period of history. Certainly we're surrounded by it. The third and the fourth examples of following... Uh, of falling, excuse me, are due to putting the Lord to the test and grumbling. Look at verses nine and 10. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. So these are references to Numbers chapter 21 and Numbers chapter 16. A couple more stories from the wilderness. In chapter 21, the people got impatient with God and started complaining. They were complaining about wandering, even though he had literally miraculously delivered them from slavery. And they were complaining about their food and water situation, even though he was still miraculously providing food in the desert every single day. And we see the Lord's response in Numbers 21, verse 6. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people were of Israel died. Yeah, the last example, number 16, and then we're gonna wrap this up. Number 16 is the story of a small rebellion against both God and Moses. The Lord was not about this rebellion and so he squashed it. He literally opened up the earth and swallowed the rebellion whole, pretty wild. Here's the crazy part of the story. The very next day, the people of Israel started complaining about the Lord's discipline. So you have this rebellion against the Lord. The Lord squashes the rebellion and now the people are upset that he disciplined for rebelling. It's pretty wild if you think about it. The Lord's response to the people uh, was not pleasant. He sent the destroyer. There was a plague then that infiltrated around all of the grumbling and complaining about that killed almost 15,000 people. Yeah. Apparently, what we're gathering from all of this and this letter that Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, apparently the Corinthian culture was pretty messed up. It appears that in that culture, during that time, there was a draw to complain about the sovereignty of God to complain about his timing, to complain about where he had them in life, to complain about his discipline. Interesting. The ironic part, I was thinking as I was reading this and just like, I don't know, reading it as a viewer myself and just reading the stories, the ironic part is it can feel so natural to do this exact thing while we're reading this story, right? It is so easy, I don't know if natural is the right word, but it's so so natural for us to judge God's disciplinary actions as we read through these stories, right? Am I the only one that thinks, oh man, that might have been a little extreme, his response there. And I was just kind of processing through that because you can't help, I feel like, have those feelings when you read this story in like bullet form point and you get like the the 30 second version of everything and you hear the Lord's response and you're like, man, that was intense. Here's how I've just been processing it. Man, as a culture, we are really good at judging parental discipline. Uh, it's okay. We all do it. Like every single person judges other parents and how they discipline every single person. Uh, I try not, you know, we try not to, but it's impossible. Um, you may, uh, think less of me or maybe think more of me depends on where you stand on this, uh, to learn that I have spanked Holly a handful of times, our little, uh, almost two year old, uh, spanked her a couple more, a, a couple of times, um, Early on in Hannah's life, her little four month old sister, uh, Holly was intentionally hurting Hannah. We tried some different disciplinary actions and nothing worked. Uh, She got a couple of spankings, a couple of swats, and she is just the model sister now. It's crazy, it blows my mind how quickly discipline works, effective discipline, blows my mind. Uh, You know what having kids has confirmed is that discipline is absolutely necessary. Discipline is absolutely necessary. I love little Holly so much. It it baffles me at how much I love her. I know I've talked about this before. Um, And therefore I discipline her to the best of my ability. And that doesn't mean the harshest of my ability. I mean, to the best of my ability. And I tell you what, spanking her does not feel good. That is for sure. But here I am, just this imperfect human. And the beauty is that we have a perfect God who is all powerful, and all loving, and is our dad. And so here we see him discipline, disciplining an entire nation in order to get that nation to come and follow after him. And so all I can do is just trust that I know a perfect father. Okay, let me pull all of this together. I told you there was encouragement at the end. And who are we kidding? What would a Christian sermon be without encouragement at the end of some intense stuff? So for all of us, who have right standing with God because of Jesus. We've been reminded of some examples of falling and discipline, and so now the encouragement is to take heed and the way of escape. Verse 11. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people, judge for yourselves what I say. Lindsay and I uh, used to be really fun and adventurous people before kids. (laughs) Uh, We love to travel and we travel well together and have just like the best of time uh, traveling together. One of our all-time favorite trips slash destinations, it might be my favorite city that I've ever traveled to in my life, Queenstown, New Zealand. Uh, just absolutely breathtaking views around every single corner just so naturally beautiful and spectacular it was amazing our plan kind of every day was just to wake up hop in the rental car head a different direction and see where the adventure took us it was amazing usually we're kind of like the planner like schedule all out itinerary people um but it just like Queenstown just kind of like flowed. It was just like, I, I don't know, it just like suited the spot where we were at for sure. We had some absolutely incredible days, saw the most beautiful of sights. One day absolutely stands out as far as adventure goes for sure. So right there in Queenstown, you have the Remarkables. It's a mountain range right there in the city and they're beautiful and we had heard that if you go up the Remarkables that there's a ski area and you can kind of go up there and there's some really pretty outlooks and views and all that so we decided let's take a, a one day and let's just head that way see what happens so we go up to the ski lodge it's the middle of their summer there we were there in December middle of summer Uh, So it's closed, it's empty, there's no snow until you get kind of a little bit up the ski hill. And so we got out of the car and we just start walking up the hill. We're like, let's just go check out the snow and just start walking. So we're walking, 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 trudging along, walk for a while. We're taking pictures, taking videos, just soaking it all in. It was spectacular, so beautiful. And we kind of get to this point where we had walked a long way up the ski hill and I... I'm like, hey, babe, what if we just climb all the way to the top? Like, we could say that we literally climbed to the top of a mountain. That would be pretty epic. And my wife is a gamer and amazing and so fun and so adventurous. And so she's on board. And so sure enough, we just start hiking up uh, this mountain, this literal mountain. Uh, I have uh, a couple of pictures that I want to show you uh, as we reached the top. Uh, This first picture, we took it because it's got the elevation on there, oh, so cute. Uh, Picture number two, uh, that's me, kind of get the panoramic view from up there. It was unbelievable. Obviously, pictures never do it justice. And then this third picture I wanna show you, if you could could just kind of keep it there for a second. If you can, try and look down at somewhere in the middle-ish of the picture. You can look down way, way, way at the bottom, and there's the ski lodge. And the ski lodge was massive, but if you look in the picture, it doesn't look all that big. Um, Yeah, that's how far we climbed up this hill. It was hours, hours we spent just climbing and hiking and trudging up this mountain, Um, So eventually we get up to the top of this mountain. I'll tell you what, a couple of things that stood out. It was so stinking cold up there. We had left summer down below and we felt like we were in like winter up there. We were freezing. We did not have enough clothes uh, for that. Um, Not only that, but towards the top, it started getting pretty darn steep. And the footing, I would say, was questionable at best. It was a lot of like loose rock and stuff. And so it made for an interesting, uh, but so fun and such a fun story. Uh, We definitely, as we were climbing, had to be very sure-footed, right? You kind of had to walk and be very confident, but you definitely did not want to be overconfident. We had actually heard a story from the year before. Some people up there around the same time. Being a little careless with just kind of how they were walking fell and got hurt real, real bad. That actually, that part of the story is a lie. However, it's a great illustration. So we didn't hear about a story from people from previous years. However, imagine if we had, if we had had a warning about, oh, people were careless and they weren't walking. Don't you think that would be, a lot more careful about the steps that we would take when we heed the warning that was there? Even without it, we felt like, man, we need to take care. We need to watch. Uh, we need to be very vigilant in how we climb up in this mountain. I think the parallel for us and what Paul is getting at is, man, for those of us that are following Jesus, even if we feel like we are at the top, if we are standing firm on the spiritual mountaintop, it's still wise to heed the warning of the example that came before us. It's still wise to heed these warnings and talk about these topics of idolatry, sexual immorality, how we deal with God's sovereignty. We have to stay vigilant in our relationship with the Lord. So Paul's, in, uh, as I said, Uh, Those three things, idolatry, sexual immorality, how we deal with God's sovereignty, man, we are absolutely surrounded by those things here in our culture. And so Paul's encouragement to the Corinthian church and to us here today on whom the end of the ages has come is to take heed, have your head on a swivel, be on guard, do a self-evaluation here at the beginning of 2023. That is the picture of the story so that we do not fall, so that we do not fall. The most encouraging part comes after that, verse 13. uh, In my top personal three verses all time, if you don't have this one memorized, hey, your first memory verse of 2023. Uh, I know it from the NIV, one of the NIV versions. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to man and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Should be absolutely incredibly encouraging to remember God's faithfulness. That's what verse 13 points to, God's faithfulness he will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. He will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. And he'll provide a way of escape every single time. As we're in the midst of idolatry, sexual immorality, wrestling, challenging, complaining about God's sovereignty, my wife will appreciate me clarifying something about this verse, that this verse is talking about temptation right? Uh, God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we are able. This verse is not saying, as some have used it to say incorrectly, that the Lord won't give us more than we can handle, just generally. Because that's not true at all. The Lord gives us more than we can handle. I don't know if regularly is the right word, but he absolutely allows us to have more than we can handle just in life in general, so that we go to him, our powerful and loving father, that we can rely and trust. And that is exactly what this is all about. Yet again, idolatry, what we talked about, sexuality, complaining about God's sovereignty, all of those things, in essence, we're just trying to do life on our own. We're trying to remove and take away God's power and his fatherly authority in our lives. However, those are the things that we need and crave the most. Here in 2023, man, my heart, my hope is that we take heed. We look at the examples from the past. We do self-evaluation. We have open eyes to see and we run to our father. Let me pray. Dear Lord, uh, man, there's a lot there and definitely some intense stuff to talk through. God, I ask that you would just be moving and stirring in our lives and in our hearts. I pray that you would remove remove false thinking. If there's idolatrous thinking in the way that we uh, see this world that has snuck and crept in, Lord, I ask that you would take it away. Um, Lord, I ask that we would lay it down. I ask if there are any idolatrous Uh, If there are any idols, physical or other, that need to be literally burned or laid at your feet, God, destroyed, I pray that that would happen uh, in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, I pray that there's conversations that need to be had and just working through how do we see the world, how do we understand uh, you, Lord, and our relationship to you. Uh, God, I ask that those conversations would be had. Um, Lord, we love you. We thank you so much. Uh, that you do warn us. You love us enough to warn us. You love us enough to discipline us. What a gracious and loving dad that you do anything you can to just bring us back to you, to bring us back to what's best. You know what's best for us as our creator and as our dad. And so we thank you for that, God. Lord, uh, we just openly surrender. We say uh, that we love you and we thank you. Uh, God, thank you that you don't let us uh, experience more temptation that we're able. Thank you that you give us a way out. And Lord, I just ask that we would have the courage and the strength to say yes in those moments. Um, We need you for that. Man, do we need you for that. Lord, we love you. We thank you for time to be in your word. We ask that you go before 2023. Uh, Would it just be a year where you're moving and working not only personally in our lives? Would you be working in the church at ABF? Would you be working in the Big C Church around the world? Uh, Lord, thank you for the honor and the opportunity to be a part in any small way that you allow us, God. We love you. and praise the name of your son, Jesus, amen. In closing, I would like to paraphrase the Apostle Paul. You're sensible people. You've heard what I had to say, now judge for yourselves. I love you, have a great week. We'll see you here coming up in the next few weeks.